This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Three great words. Free fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bell one time on Friday. Set participating McDonald's through 1231.24. Excludes tax. Must update rewards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. My name is George Scott, Editor-in-Chief of Bike Radar, and today I'm joined by Ashley Quinlan and Stanley Portis, two of our sharpest minds when it comes to road and gravel tech on Bike Radar, because we have a road and gravel news special. Ash, I will start with you. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. Um, how are you going, George? I'm very good, thank you. We're, we're getting deep into autumn, but I, I treated myself to a a rare bike ride on Sunday after a, a very busy couple of months getting married and having a honeymoon and also being injured. So yeah, great to be back on the bike. I thought you were going to say something like a little bit more benign, like uh, I enjoyed a pumpkin spice latte recently or something very seasonal, but apparently not. Yet to have the first... Um, pumpkin spice latte of the of the season but you know we've got a couple of weeks until autumn so who knows what's going to happen um and stan how are you very good yeah recovering from bespoke last week which we'll get on to but looking forward to having a chat indeed you have been out and about a bit recently both at bespoke the the handmade bicycle show in london and then also a few weeks ago at the launch of the new specialized diverge str in the black forest in germany and I've heard plenty about the the launch, the torrential rain that you had, the the, the beautiful beautiful surroundings of the Black Forest, and also a, a little bit about the the sauna in the hotel. But I haven't heard too much about the bike, which launched uh, yesterday, um, as this podcast goes out. So tell me all about it. What is the Specialized Diverge SDR? Uh, I mean, the Diverge has been around for a number of years, a specialized gravel bike, but this is quite a different take. Yeah, so the Specialized Diverge STR is a new version of the Diverge bike. And there's lots in common with the previous version, but the main difference is it has a new Future Shock rear. 
which introduces 30 mil of travel at the rear end of the bike, um, which is, it's pretty crazy looking. It's kind of an exposed tendon in the top of the bike, which I'm sure will divide opinion. Um, and it kind of, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's crazy. Um, you kind of really bob in the saddle and um, it has a very different feel to a standard rigid frame gravel bike. So this is specialised effectively um, applying a full suspension way of thinking to a gravel bike. You know, we use the term full suspension loosely when it comes to gravel. It's, you know, it's not a 140, 150 mil um, trailer enduro bike. But having had Future Shock at the front of the bike and in, in the headset for a few years, this is the first time they've added that amount of bounce or any bounce to the rear. So what's the kind of thinking there in terms of specialised progression of this bike? So I think some context is needed before we delve into exactly what the future shock rear is. Um, Specialized said the starting point for the bike was trying to find a way to keep riders comfortable over rough gravel terrain um, without interrupting the feel and acceleration of a rigid, rigid gravel bike. So Specialized says this was simple yet really hard to solve um, because how do you introduce suspension into a bike without kind of compromising the snappy feel of a rigid bike frame. Um, so the solution it's settled on is this rear future shock, which it says suspends the rider a bit like the front future shock um, above the rigid frame, which kind of absorbs a lot of the movement when you're going over big rocks or small rocks. Um, and basically how the system works is it has a frame post which flexes back and forward when you're sitting in the saddle, which is then connected via an aluminium, aluminium tendon to a damper that's housed in the top tube of the bike. And the tendon controls, um, well, the damper controls how much rebound and compression there is in the frame post and the tendon connects the two parts to one another. So what this means is that when you're sitting in the saddle, the the frame post is flexing back and forward, but you know, the damper doesn't mean that you're not being sent over the handlebars. Um, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. So does it essentially keep your, the geometry of the bike the same and your ride position the same, but it gives you all, and then it gives you that, that, that flexibility and that, that, that compliance and built in. Yeah, exactly. So specialized says the geometry of the bike is near identical to the previous diverge, but, um, the seat tube angle has been adjusted slightly to compensate for the sag of your yes. weight when you're sitting in the saddle. Okay. I think that's a, that's a, a key um, differentiation as well between, you know, when we do think about, you know, gravel suspension and what Specialized have done here with the Future Shock rear compared to a full suspension mountain bike where it, you know, visibly and physically bobs and the geometry changes because that's the very kind of point of it when you're going over big hits on a, on a, on a trail or enduro bike. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting that Specialized have, have made this move. We've definitely seen a, a trend towards more suspension or suspension light in, in gravel bikes. And having seen it briefly uh, upon the embargo lifting or before the embargo lifted when you came back from the Black Forest, it is visually very interesting. It, as you say, it's almost tendon-like in how it's exposed from, from the frame. And you know, obviously we are talking to our listeners listeners through the, the power of audio, but if you go to biteradar.com, you'll be able to read Stan's news story and see the images of the new specialised Diverge STR, which will really uh, bring to life the, the bike and, and what we're talking about. But to 
go a bit more into the into the context, Dan, as you said, you know, this is Specialized's first take on a, a rear suspension um, or rear suspension tech for a gravel bike, but it's not the first time we've seen that in the wider market. And ISO speed with with um, with Trek is certainly one of the most established uh, kind of light suspension technologies, and they have that on the checkpoint gravel bike. And I know that you've written in your in your piece a little bit about how Future Shock compares to ISO speed. So can you kind of tell us a bit more about how those two compare from two of the biggest brands out there? Yeah. So away from sitting in the sauna in in the Black Forest, I also spoke to Stuart Thompson, who's specialized road and gravel lead. And I asked him what the difference between the Future Shock rear system and ISO speed is. And he said that it basically shares a similar philosophy, um, but differs in two ways, which is tunability and personalization. So he says that ISO speed for the most part provides one setting, whereas specialized has worked to provide enough options that means that riders of all different sizes and weights will have a very similar experience on the future shock rear. And how they've done that is they've designed nine different frame posts, which account for the whole size range up to 61 centimeter frames that have varying degrees of flex that means that when you're on the bike regardless of your weight and size you'll have a similar experience whereas you know thompson said that iso speed kind of has a very similar experience across all the different frame sizes and then the other difference is the use of a damper in the top tube so basically what that boils down to is you have control over how much damping and compression you get in the system so you can tailor it exactly to what how you want it to be so that's something that can be personalized by the rider there's some kind of you know built-in customization available yeah yeah so you can so kind of oddly each bike will ship with two frame posts so you can switch the frame post out to get the amount of travel you want from the system and and the amount of compression and damping you you desire from the system so some riders might prefer a stiffer bike some might prefer more travel and more bounce in the system um so you can obviously choose the frame post that you want but then after that you can then fine-tune how much damping you get in the system as well well you know, let's talk a bit more about the diverge platform as as a whole or how the the diverge platform may have evolved with this latest model the sdr has anything else changed or is the the rear shock the key development well yeah a, a lot is the same so for instance specialized has spent a lot of time developing the rear future shock system but the the front future shock system is exactly the same as the previous model so that's unchanged and then away from minor tweaks to the geometry so adjusting the seat post angle and also increasing the chain stay length by i think five mil or something like that um it's pretty much the same so it still takes 47 mil tires um still has swap down tube storage and still has mounts for bags and racks and the like well the, the proof will be in, in the riding and i think we've got a, a bike whizzing its way from um, specialized hq in the, in the uk as we speak but you you did get a ride out um, in the Black Forest, albeit only only a brief one. But what were your initial impressions of the bike? I mean, it's kind of hard because there's so many variabilities in terms of how the suspension can be set up and how it feels that I only had one ride. So don't feel like too confident to pass a, a final judgment on it or anything like that. But um, I can say that the sensation is pretty strange, especially for a roadie like me that's not used to riding on suspension systems. But 
ultimately it's a good it's a good feeling as well um you know going through the black forest particularly when you're going up we were going up really steep wet rocky inclines the fact that I had this suspension in the seat post did mean that I could stay seated in the saddle for longer um and because of that I could keep my weight down which increased the traction I had and increased the power as a result um so initial impressions are it's very effective um I do wonder you know I came away from the experience thinking what would it be like if I tried a different frame post what would it be if I adjusted the damper um and and kind of ran through all these things and I do wonder especially when if consumers are going to be getting two frame posts in their in their bike box when it turns up whether you know there's going to be a lot of questions I think in terms of um how it should be set be set up and ultimately how it should feel Mm -hmm. well yeah I mean mountain bike suspension setup is um is a minefield for a roadie like me but you know I'm sure this is a simpler system but there might there might definitely be some some learning on behalf of the the rider as to what what works for them and some experimentation potentially yeah I, I think ultimately that's what it's you know that's where the confusion comes in isn't it it's like gravel sits between road and mountain bike and lots of roadies who don't have experience of taking an air shock out with them or anything like that are gonna are probably going to have more question marks over this than someone who's coming from the mountain bike side of things and it seems quite natural to them to uh, have to play around with suspension to get it exactly how they want well, we will cover this in, in more detail when the bike arrives i'm sure we'll have the, the full review on the website i'm sure we will cover it once again on the podcast and i'm going to commit to it i'm sure we'll have it on uh, on our youtube channel as well so um we'll really get to grips with future shock rear over the coming weeks and deliver a full verdict in in due course um but assuming it's very good stand let's let's kind of make that assumption now and i want to buy one how much is this thing going to cost me it's gonna cost you a lot <laughs> that's the stock answer for any bicycle at the moment stand come on i want numbers so the the s works version which sits at the top of the range will cost you thirteen thousand pounds or fourteen thousand dollars which i think is you know one thousand seven hundred pounds one thousand dollars more than the s works crux that launched last year so very expensive but then underneath that there's um the pro and the expert models which cost a little bit less so the pro costs nine thousand pounds or nine and a half thousand dollars and then the expert costs seven half thousand pounds and seven half thousand dollars there we go small change compared to the s works model but um yeah that's the bike industry at the moment and uh, could I add to that as well? It have uh, has specialized kept the um, previous Diverge platform. Um, do we know so for you know cheaper bikes, et cetera, et cetera? You know, seven and a half thousand pounds is a lot of money for someone to spend on an, on what is essentially an entry level bike for the Diverge STR. Yeah, so it's not this bike isn't replacing, as far as I know, it's not replacing the other Diverge bikes. It's it's supplementary. Cool. So if you just want your front future shock, then. Um... Yeah, I would imagine that the full diverge range will will still exist. That's certainly the way specialized tends to tends to work. So um It's interesting as well because I've ridden the previous generation as well with just the front future shock. And I never felt that it was actually lacking that much compliance when set up properly with the right tires as well. So I've I've not been I've not been hands-on with the STR. I hope to be soon. But you know, the original diverge, if you're looking for a potentially if you're looking for a cheaper a cheaper gravel bike from specialized using the diverge platform that's going to be there for you as well i would hope i think as well you know gravel, gravel means so many th different things to different people and it's something that we've spoken about before on, on the podcast and 
whether you're someone that wants a kind of a, a go fast gravel bike with kind of fairly narrow tires in the 40 mil range and a kind of aero tuning and so on you know there's an increasing number of options there the likes of the the villia rave um slr even the specialized crux and then of course you have bikes like the doyage str and the cannondale topstone um lefty with its suspension fork and the rockshox fork which are you know effectively um advanced versions of mountain bikes of the 90s which again is a topic that we've delved into if you kind of um dip back into the the podcast archive but yes but you know gravel gravel bikes have uh diversified significantly over the past few years and clearly this is a specialized take on what they think is the the best option for the the full suspension route um but let's move on from the diverge to another of this week's key launches uh, a very different bike, but one that also represents uh, a trend in the market, and that is, of course, aerodynamics on road bikes. And it's the launch of the new Bianchi Ultra range. And at the top of the range, the Bianchi Ultra RC. So, Ash, the headline technology here are the air deflectors on the head tube. What's going on here? Well, essentially, um, Bianchi's tried to think outside the box in terms of um, augmenting the aerodynamics of of the of the ultra um now it should be said that it's not just something that's been tacked onto the head tube it's been designed as part of the whole bike so when you look at the bike as a whole you can see a say a cross shape section to the to the top tube where air is 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 um, channeled down through the bike um, and up through the bike as well it, it's it's got a lot of intricacies there um we've not been hands-on with one just yet but we're hoping to get hold of one soon um, so it'd be really interesting to see how that looks actually in the flesh. But the air deflectors essentially, visibly on paper, they are two, and I use the word shyly if you like, two appendages that kind of attach to the side of the head tube. Now, I say shyly because the UCI actually forbids the use of uh, fairings and devices that are attached to bikes in order to improve their aerodynamics. Um um, I can't remember the exact wording. I did look it up. Um, but essentially then Bianchi has probably argued that these are fundamental to the structure of uh, the the new ultra frame. Uh, they live was one on either side of the head tube. And essentially what they're designed to do is channel airflow in such a way that it creates a low pressure zone behind the head tube. Now, um, the front of the bike is the most important area of the bike in terms of uh, shaping airflow and what it's going to do behind. So if you've got a really slippery front area of a bike, um, but that creates a high pressure zone behind, then that high pressure air is going to impact the rider, it's going to impact you know your legs, your body, your torso, um, and the rest of the tubes on the bike. Um, high pressure creates more resistance, um, whereas by creating lower pressure behind um, behind that head tube, um, especially where the legs are moving, which I think is po- probably the most, uh, you know, oblique uh, bluff body that a you know the air has to has to um, interact with as you're riding through as you're riding through it. Um, uh, it helps to make the bike um, a little bit faster overall. So the idea essentially is to is to control the airflow um, and create a low pressure zone behind the head tube, which then means that as you're riding through, you are not pushing as much air as you're passing through it. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Similar to the the divergers, quite a, a unique take on a solution for the aerodynamic question. Um, so again, go to bikeradar.com, read Ash's news story on the on the new ultra. Um, but it's fair to say, Ash, that it's had a mixed reception from what I've seen aesthetically. This is quite a departure for a brand like Bianchi with a, the history and the, the heritage and the persona and all these kind of cliches that are cliches and so uh, absolutely kind of nothing holding a brand like Bianchi back from pushing the envelope when it comes to, to Aerotech having that kind of all the history behind you but for you you know, haven't seen the bike in in the flesh as you say but what's your take on what Bianchi have done here um it's it's similar to my take uh to the, to the take that I had when when we d- when I discussed the Trek Modone SLR um I can't tell you exactly how much performance benefit it gives you but brands, given the limitations of given the limitations of that the UCI place on brands when they're developing bikes, especially aero bikes, um, brands should be applauded for thinking outside the box or trying something new in order to move the game forward. That's progress. That's what that's what we, as an industry, buy into. As 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 enthusiast bike enthusiasts, that's what we buy into. So in my view, in you know, in my opinion. Bianchi should be applauded for it. There, there will be, there, you know, there will backlash is a strong word, but there may, there may be a little bit of backlash because um, consumers and customers have a have an idea about what they think a Bianchi should represent, whether that's clean lines, classical design, um, something quintessentially Italian. Um, use the word passion and keep saying it. You know, it's it's you know it, but but ultimately, bike brands are. And high performance bike brands such as Bianchi are there to try and push the game on. And if and if no other brand has done it to this extent, um, then they should be applauded for that. And and for me, it's 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 a great innovation to see. Well, yeah, we look forward to getting one into test. I'm sure we will in, in the not too distant future, and yeah, hopefully deliver a verdict on how it looks in the flesh, but also how it rides. Um, so let's crunch a few of the the, the numbers aside from the the air deflector. Tech Ash, um, let's talk tire clearance to start with. What's the tire clearance on this latest model? Uh, so the tire clearance is actually officially uh, thirty millimeters or seven hundred by thirty C. 
um, to use the the French uh, the, fr- the French parlance. Um, but uh, you know, it that's we're seeing aero bikes with ever wider uh, clearance. The 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 ultra is actually a little bit less than some of the latest um, aero bikes out there. I believe the Scott Foil. RC has 30, clearance for 32 millimeters. The Cervelo S5 is 34. So it's not it's not um, right on the vanguard of that. But what you can see from from the down tube is a cutout in the top of that of the top of the down tube, and there is plenty of space living behind that. Um, and what that does allow is air instead of air to stall in an ever tighter gap, it does allow air to flow past and create more boundary layers theoretically. Um, I don't have access to all of Bianchi's uh, wind tunnel uh, data, although I, I am told that they have um, tested it thoroughly. Um, and you would you would suspect and you, you you could easily surmise that that's that's what that's designed to do. So it looks like there's lots of clearance. There's a high fork crown, for example, especially at the front. But at the rear, things are cut down a lot tighter uh, because there's no, there isn't a moving essentially because there isn't a moving body. The moving body is sitting behind the frame, which is still. I mean that's certainly representative, as you say, of of, a, of the the trend towards wider tyres on aero bikes and the the versatility that one can potentially get out of that bike as as a result. Um, how about frame weight? You know, what are the are these competitive compared to some of the lightest frames out there? They're getting there. They're getting there. Um, you've you've challenged me now, but I will. I'm just going to dig out my notes now. Here we are. Here we are. So um, the the Ultra RC weighs in at 915 grams for a medium sized frame. Uh, which is about 55 centimetres. Um, Bianchi uses the Italian style, um, generally speaking, Italian style um, uh, frame sizing where they use odd numbers. And so it's roughly equivalent to a medium size, which you'd usually see as a 54 centimetre bike in, in other in other brands. But that's that's very much a rough estimate. The fork adds a further 420 grams on top of that. So you're looking at, you know, the better part of uh, 1.3, 1.3, three kilos for for a, a whole frame set so this is good not math, Ash. yeah very good math. <laughs> well, very quick very quick i'm not gonna uh, check it no please don't please don't someone will i'm sure um no but uh it's it's not the lightest bike in the world but again you know that doesn't that doesn't matter when it comes to out and out performance and out and out speed um um our esteemed colleague colleague uh, simon von bromley loves to loves to espouse that aero is 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 king over over lightweight and um he, he has a very very strong point there um uh, th- there are two other frames as well we should mention as well there's the ultra pro which uh, tips the scales at 965 grams and uh, 430 for the fork, so a little bit more expensive all round. And that's because it integrates uh, countervail technology, which is Bianchi's pretty well-proven uh, ride ride smoothing technology within in the uh, within the carbon layup itself. And then there's also a regular um, a regular ultra. I use regular with inverted commas, but uh, that doesn't include the air, air deflector technology. Okay, so with the Ultra Pro, you have both countervail and the air deflectors, but with the regular Ultra, it's it's just the new kind of general aero frame shape. General aero frame shape. It comes out of its own mould because it doesn't have the same, quite the same head tube profile because it doesn't have the deflectors on it. Um, but it, it, broadly speaking, it's very, very similar, yes. And that weighs 995 grams for a size medium. Great. Well, sub sub kilo, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, they are competitive frame weights for um, an aero bike, and I'm sure Bianchi would point you towards the Specialissima if you were after a dedicated lightweight bike. Sure. It's also worth pointing out as well. Another part of this air deflector technology is actually the handlebar itself. 
Um, so this is really, really important because the handlebar is much like, or it seems to be derived from the similar sort of thinking as the V-stem you see on Cervelo's S5. And it essentially has a hole in the front of the, in the front of the section. So as you look at it front on, you can actually see through behind to the rider. It's a lot smaller than uh, the, the gap that you see in, uh, the, or the effective gap that you see in Cervelo's system. Um, but essentially what this does is create low pressure vortices again behind, behind the head tube that then direct down the, the top tube towards the rider's legs. Again, lower pressure, moving air can get past the legs a lot easier, which means that overall you, you'll create less drag. I mean, tell me a bit more about the, these new Bianchi components generally, because the, the handlebar is the headline feature there, but it's part of a wider uh, repartorse corse range, um, which also includes the wheels and so on. So a bit of a move from Bianchi to try and package up the, the whole bike as one, as opposed to looking to third party suppliers for some of the aftermarket components. It is, it is. And there's two ways to look at this. Um, Bianchi uh, market it and and probably rightly so as well as, as creating these these reparto course wheels and uh, and components. So there's a there's a saddle within this. The seat tube is 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 uh, part of this as well um, as well as the wheels. Um, and they they would say that it's all as one and therefore it creates a more efficient setup and it's designed specifically for the bike. And that's brilliant. That's awesome. And we love to hear that. At the same time, you could also say and you could also argue if you were slightly cynical that it's like every other brand, like Trek with Bontrager, it's like Specialized with Roval, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, where it's a lot cheaper for the brand to create th- stuff in-house, badge it up, and then market it as, as being as being premium. Now, it's not to say these wheels and the kit is not premium. It is. It looks top, top spec. And and the, all, the, all the, the wheel weights, for example, and all the, the technology that goes into it looks looks, you know, kosher. But at the same time, you could argue that there's there's a cost saving benefit for for Bianchi in there as well, mm-hmm. and again, you know, indicative of a a wider trend. You, you mentioned Roval, Bontrager, um, Mike with Villia now falling under that kind of that 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 house. Um, another kind of a famous Italian brand which is working closely with a component manufacturer and, and bringing them bringing the two together. So yeah, certainly representative of a, of a wider trend. Um, so not a huge surprise on on Bianchi's part. Um, so there we go. Two very different but equally cutting edge launches that we've seen um, across road and gravel and bike radar this week the specialized diverge str and the bianchi ultra rc but let's have a change of pace now stan we're going to go from cutting edge launches to handmade alt tech because <laughs> last week we had the bespoke i nearly said bespoke bristol because it was it was based in bristol to start and was called bespoke bristol but it's not bespoke bristol anymore but it's the bespoke handmade bicycle show it was held at the uh, Lee Valley Velo Park, the old Olympic track in, in London last Friday. And you were there to cover the show with Oscar Huckle for Bike Radar. Um, let's start by, you know, can you tell us a bit about Bespoke generally? Um, if someone's keen to turn up next year, what can they expect from the UK's premier handmade bicycle show? Uh, well, firstly, you know, I think this was the 11th time they've done a Bespoke show and it started in Bristol. Um, before kind of going on a pause through coronavirus and then going to Harrogate in Yorkshire. And now it's, uh, this year it was in the Lee Valley Velodrome. Um, and basically the show is, it brings together predominantly British frame builders who, you know, work with steel frames, titanium frames, some carbon frames, and then also, you know, more out there 
designs like wooden bikes and that kind of thing um but you know it's, it's predominantly british frame builders but then there's some european and american frame builders there as well i believe um it's really it's a really great show and like there's just so many wacky interesting things there and people you know we've just spoken about two bikes that are, are pushing design limits in some ways but then there's people at bespoke doing like really out there things so um really good fun and it is it is the uk's premier handmade bike show but um i believe next year it's going to leipzig so bespoke yeah. on you tour. have to jump you have to jump on a plane to see that one well it's um yeah it is a really interesting show i've i've, I've been before and if if you have never been, then I would certainly recommend it. Um, but also check out the coverage on Bike Radar. We'll include the links um, in the description to this podcast. Dan and Oscar put together a brilliant gallery of some of the the weird and wonderful bikes there, and also a, a piece on the bike that ended up winning the Best in Show award. Although you didn't know that at the time when you were at the show, Stan. And that's a three D printed sturdy Imar. I'm going to say yeah. titanium TT bike. I mean, it's a it's a really cool looking machine but um describe it to our listeners yeah so the sturdy imar i think imar means swift and gaelic um it's designed by a frame builder called tom sturdy and it's a titanium time trial bike that uses a mix of um roll form tubes and then 3d printed parts as well um to create you know quite a, a stunning looking bike that's also got this like anodized finish on certain parts of it um uh yeah and it you know it's it's decked out with uh carbon wheels it's got a watch shop tri bar on the front um and you know things like i think tom sturdy uh designed the front chain ring as well so it's kind of got this solid titanium front chain ring so it's really striking and you know it, it won the best in show and everyone at the show that i spoke to kind of brought it up and was talking about it really cool finish i don't know if it's if it's a paint finish or something else as well just looking at the pictures from you know blue to to purple to orange almost and then almost i think it's, i assume it's the kind of the naked titanium was it was it paint or have they done something else there i'm not actually sure what the finish is um but yeah it's kind of got this kind of petrally uh faded look to it which is really cool um but you know this this it, it it's such an impressive looking bike and the finish on it is incredible but tom sturdy the frame builder was making and designing these bikes in his garage until a year ago so it feels it feels very bespoke in that respect mm. and that you know that's one of the the brilliant things about that show is that you have you know some very well established frame builders who you know might be small in the grand scheme of the bicycle industry but you know yes established names out there but then also new players on the team like tom sturdy you know coming out and winning winning best in show 12 months after building this bike in his in his garage and yeah it's it's an incredible looking thing i would have loved to have been there to to see it in the flesh and that um that one piece uh aero crank set in particular is it's drawing my eye in as i'm looking at it um it's a, it's a really cool looking bike um i mean this is a, a bigger topic in it in itself but it's also a, a jumping off point to briefly talk about 3d printing within the bike industry generally i mean this this is clearly a a niche bike in itself but you know we have seen just a bit more chatter around 3d printing generally recently Filippo Ganna's bike that he broke the hour record on was 3d printed um we're seeing an ever-increasing number of smaller 3d printed um parts and saddles and you know, disc brake pads have seen today and so on um and also Simon von Bromley had a, a a great chat on the podcast with Josh Portner from Silka where they delved into um 
the, the potential future of bike design uh, and bike tech being 3D printing. So Ash, I'll turn to you for, for this one. Any thoughts around this generally? Is 3D printing the, the future or is this going to be con- contained to kind of smaller parts and, and these niche kind of one-off high-end bikes for now? This this is very much a personal opinion, um, but I, th- I I think it's I, th- I think I'm right. Um, it is it is my opinion anyway. I would say that yeah, for smaller components right now, that's where three D three D printing is most viable. It's expensive. The, you know, components are expensive to produce. Uh, generally speaking, three D printers are not a, are not cheap either. And and so right now, the necess- it is sort of necessary to, for for smaller. For smaller components to be made, um, you know, we see we see how expensive some three D printed three D printed products are in the market at the moment. That being said, as the technology, like any technology, as the technology becomes more slightly more commonplace, uh, more ingrained, um, you could start to see more frames being built, more entire bikes being built. Custom, you know, custom bikes would become. Um, probably more commonplace as well, um, and wouldn't cost you an arm and a leg as well. Um, and, you know, the idea of having your perfect bike designed for you specifically um, through 3D printing technology is certainly something that I think the bike industry is leaning towards and moving towards over time. Mm. Well, well, we'll watch this space on on that one. I think you're right. You know, it, it is limited to to smaller components, saddles being the, the key category at the moment. And I haven't actually used a 3D printed saddle but i've i've heard very good things about the the cushioning that you can that you can achieve through that that 3d printed um structure so actually stan i don't know if you've got one of the specialized saddles that's just kind of sprung into my head i've got one of the physique saddles okay but i haven't actually used it yet yeah <laughs> um, I, I can confirm that jack uh, jack luke is a big fan of these of the of one of the specialized uh, 3d printed saddles um i myself have an adaptive physics saddle as well um, I use that. It's currently on my on my turbo trainer bike, actually. Um, but it's perfect there because it really does mold and, and depress, and it means you can build build compliance into different areas of of the saddle um, and and more stiffer structures than others. Um, so yeah, and, and it, make, it means you can make more complicated shapes. And if you imagine, if you you know, we go if you ever go to anyone who has ever been on a bike fit will know that sometimes you've got um, pressure mapping software put in inside a saddle. And they can record where your weight distribution is. Well, what if you could have a 3D printed saddle that, that was then designed to um, account for your instabilities or account for your... But, to account for your anatomy. Yeah, for, for your anatomy, exactly. Yeah. yeah, if you have one sit bone that sits lower than another, uh, then, for example, that's go, you know that's not something you can sort of tailor out of your body. You know, that's, that's stuck there. So, you know, 3D printed saddles could really help you with that. I, th- I think, you know, this is something that's a question of whether 3D printed... 3D printed tech is the future. It's it's kind of like the perpetual question, um, and a, a lot of it is to do with that tech becoming more affordable and mm-hmm. being able to scale yep. it up, and you know, be able to roll this out to mass consumers. But one really interesting thing from Bespoke Show was we looked at this Hoon Cycles bike, which was um, it's a German frame builder. It's built around 36 inch wheels for an incredibly tall rider. Um, but he had some tech on it, which I'd never seen before from a brand I'd never seen before, which was a 3D printed saddle from Pesedla, which is a company based in the Czech Republic. And Pesedla saddles are custom made and they are based on each rider's anatomy. So this is something that, you know, when physique or specialized talk about their saddles, it's kind of the immediate question afterwards, which is, well, are you going to roll this out so people can have 
if if this is so customizable, if it is so good, are you going to roll it out so people can have their own saddle printed for them? So there's already a company doing it, but um, and, and you know, in appearance, it looks very much like the specialized in physique saddles with this kind of like honeycomb almost texture to it, but um, very expensive. The saddle on this bike costs four hundred and ninety euros, so. There we go. It's a very expensive bicycle saddle, but it, it is, it is a you know, price to side. That is a really cool um, tech development to have your own 3D printed saddle. And if it does kind of um, help or deliver more comfort for riders who have kind of um, anatomy kind of indiscrepancies or people who, yeah, just, you know, want to want to be comfortable in the saddle and who doesn't want that, then, you know, I think that's a good thing. And there are an increasing number of stock models as well. Um, which are coming down in price. So yeah, clearly saddles is an area where this is, this technology is developing quite quickly. But um, watch this space as to what the application could be across the industry. Perhaps it's something we can delve into in a bit more detail in, in the podcast, and perhaps in a feature in, on the site. Because um, you know, clearly this is a a trend that's here to stay. But how quickly it will evolve is is probably the key question um, for the future of the bike market. Um, Stan, you just mentioned that that Hoon bike there and, and 36 inch wheels. That is that's a pretty big wheel set. But um any other highlights from across the, the show that you want to talk about? I mean, you should you should really check out the gallery on the site if you're listening to this, because there were loads of highlights and loads of really interesting bikes. And channeling my inner Jack Luke, one of my highlights was a um Smithy track lacrosse bike that Chris Yeoman, the frame builder, um he he designed this fork that doesn't have a mount for a front bait brake and then design the rest of the frame around it and it's got this brakeless crazy off-road fixed gear bike so that's one of my highlights which is in the gallery but then um one of my other highlights was a gravel bike from a very small brand called sideways run by uh someone called viola townsend it won the best off-road bike at the show so we didn't just spot the best in show we also spot spotted the best off-road bike before it was announced you haven't um, mentioned that in the office at all since since you've come back you were very proud about that weren't you <laughs> well you know got to make it known so get at your job stan that's the bottom line yeah, yeah, yeah. Read, read bike radar you know we're, we're on top of these things so um yeah that was my other highlight and uh viola is a composite specialist who has a background in working in composite so she's worked for aerospace bathtub and fishing rod companies um, but during her time working for those companies, she was always building bikes and said that's her, that's her passion. And she started doing that full time in January. And um, she had a couple of really interesting bikes on show. But this gravel bike in particular was really interesting and pretty novel. So the frame is made from uh, carbon fiber, but carbon fiber that Viola got from, I think, a boatyard. So the carbon fiber is the scrap from making dinghies. <laughs> the, like like fiberglass sort of yeah, carbon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um so it's so if you look up close at the bike, it's got this really interesting texture. You kind of think, well, what's that? And then you realise when they say that it's made from a boat, you kind of it looks like it looks like that fiberglass carbon mm. fiber material. Um and then the bike's also got uh dropout inserts from Paragon Machine Works. Um so it can fit different uh axle standards standards so you know if you've got a through axle or a quick release axle um and it can also be converted into single speed which is like was one of the things from bespoke that everyone you spoke to was like yeah this bike can also be a single speed 
Yeah. Single <laughs> so, speeds are back. Single speeds are back. Maybe they never went away, George. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. You're you're, you're probably right there. Yeah, but um, Viola was also awarded the boat bespoke SRAM inclusivity scholarship, which enabled her to be at the show, which is really cool to see. Um, and there were three other makers that also were awarded that scholarship, but that also meant that SRAM decked her out with loads of SRAM Explore components. So the bike has a you know gravel front suspension fork, and um, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, as you say, it's 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 a really interesting show. Do check out that that gallery on Bike Radar again. We'll put the link in the description and try and get to the show next year if you can. If the location works for you, it's um, you know, as much as we talk about you know mainstream brands and, and gravel and aerotech and lightweight and and so on, um, this is a really interesting show to see some of the smaller builders who are pushing boundaries in their in their own way. Um, so yeah, do do check out Bespoke if you can. Um, well, let's wrap up there. It's been a really interesting chat to go through our highlights from Bespoke and also the, the Diverge and the Ultra. Um, but before we wrap up, Ash, any we're heading to the end of the week. Any plans on the bike this weekend? Uh, well, like you, George, I've been recovering from um, a knee uh, a, a knee issue that sort of spread uh, through through my leg uh, recently. So I've, I've only just been able to sort of get back on the bike and do um, what I would call significant mileage um, in, in one ride. Uh, it's made testing challenging, but not impossible. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting on to getting on some more mileage in for sure on some new bikes we've got coming in for testing and new wheel sets as well. So, uh, yeah, I've got to put my body through it. Um, but uh, we, I've also got a bike fit planned uh, for, uh, tomorrow, actually, as we record this. Uh, so by the time this goes out, uh, I will have had said bike fit. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, supporting some of our bike fit content with that as well, as well as uh, as well as uh, getting myself into a more into a happier place on a bike, which uh, I'm looking forward to. Well, I wish you all the best. We yeah, we, we all want to be on a, uh, in a happy place on, on the bike. Of course so, we um, do, yeah. Hopefully uh, you'll be back up to, to full fitness in, in no time. And, and yourself, Stan, will you be, be swinging a leg over anything in particular this weekend? Yeah, so I'm, I'm writing up my first instalment of my long-term review next week so going out for a ride on that this weekend um which it's a uh ridley noah essential so it's their aero race bike but kind of made with a different carbon fiber slightly lower price point it's very interesting it's got it's got some quirks but it's a cool bike well there you go look out for that long-term test report from from stan in the not too distant future no doubt Big miles at a high pace, if I know anything about you, Stan. So um, the perf- any, perfect bike for the job. Not not anymore. We are heading into winter anyway. Um, great. Well, let's wrap up there. Ash, Stan, it's been great to have you on the podcast. It's been brilliant to chat as ever. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Cheers, George. And thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. Please do subscribe to the podcast through your chosen podcast provider and do leave us a rating and review. We always value your your feedback. And if you want to send us a question or a suggestion for a topic, then you can email us on podcast at bikeradar.com and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you once again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.